Yo, 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 it's Upgrade America, episode 86. This is CJ Today Slayer. Shout out to Taiwan, our new upgraders internationally. We appreciate you. Go vote right in Cameron, Ra, and myself uh, for president. It's election time. Next week is the big day. Anyway, we're talking about presidents sharing power, vice president and president sharing power. We're also talking about um, a myriad of other things. Um, Excuse me, I'm kind of in a rush a little bit. It's time to work. Um, Like, share, subscribe. Just jump in. Listen, you know what we do. We appreciate your blessings. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Um, Upgrade America. Peace. James Madison said, the circulation of confidence is better than the circulation of money. Let that marinate, fly with me. Yo, what's up world, all of our upgraders? What are we on, episode 86? Yes, I'm Cameron sir. Ra, 2020 presidential candidate, running independently with my vice president over there, CJ the Day Slayer. Yo, we made history, bro. No matter what the outcome is, we got involved with the political process. We're making it happen. And we're encouraging and instructing other people to do it, too. So, yeah, man. Upgrade America. Got a great show for you today. What uh, we got on the agenda? All right. Let's see what we got here. We have... We're going to talk about SARS in Nigeria. Dive into that a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about the president and vice president sharing power. Is it possible? Is it effective? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm CJ the Day Slayer, by the way. Appreciate yeah. it. No doubt. My bad. I forgot to jump in after that. Um, I'm ready. I'm grateful. I'm blessed. Still in PA. This is going to be my home, I guess, for part of the year, it appears. Just to throw that little news out there. Um, let's see. What else? I asked people on Twitter, like, why are they voting Biden and Harris? So we're going to talk about those little results. Not a big poll, but <laughs> that should be it's very interesting. interesting. Um, we're going to talk about the importance of cyber warfare and how to defend against that. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. GM bringing jobs home. Uh, let's see, the future of tech and work. We're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, Breonna Taylor, this case is just more interesting and interesting by the minute. We're going to talk about one of the jurors speaking out a little bit. Um, we're going to take, we're going to do a thought exercise and it's, it might be a little controversial about how the U.S. handled Rona. How did, how did U.S. handle Corona? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I like the little scenarios. Um, unemployment rates, Hmm. people need some good news. Uh, drug companies paying off money, fraud, waste, and abuse. We're gonna talk about that in Afghanistan, obviously. Um, we're gonna talk about the voting process a little bit, a little bit of history that people probably don't know about. We'll dive into that. Solar energy, yep. Debate showdown, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, ballot initiatives that probably came from Upgrade America. We're going to talk about that, at least on the Florida ballot. I can read them off. Yo, that's what's up. Yeah, so we got a lot going on. So. It's real light, not too heavy today. Yeah. You know, we're, uh, we're bringing it to you live, just real smooth, mellow Sunday. But yo, man, so uh, I guess the first one 
we were talking about is how Facebook's uh, executive CEO and founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chen they ha- um, are donating a lot of money towards how do you say decriminalizing all drugs not this wonderful one but all drugs in the state of Oregon so Mark Zuckerberg donates 500k to decriminalizing all drugs in Oregon and let me read a little, read a little bit about that Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chen have put their weight behind a measure to decriminalize all drugs in Oregon. The couple has contributed $500,000 to the campaign, which would also earmark a significant amount of a state cannabis tax revenue towards substance and abuse treatment. So says Measures 110, the ballot item in question aims to change the narratives around drug use in the state. And yeah, I heard Oregon is pretty liberal. I think they're one of the, the states that are considering like shrooms, legalizing mushrooms and, and, and things of that nature. And let's get down to, you know, to, to the brass tax, man. Like there's money to be made off of that. And America is broke. You hear about all these counties saying they want to go bankrupt and things of that nature. Sell drugs. But I mentioned <laughs> in the Upgrade America handbook, policy for the future on why it is better to legalize drugs because one you can regulate it you can control it and um you know put it through the whole fda process but most importantly you can tax it and just a fun fact for you over a billion dollars a day is is made in in new york city off drug revenue a billion dollars a day untaxed so what did we say like the when we say the the um the defense budget was like let's say it's going over 700 billion right yeah something like that when you really think about it it's like a year a year of drug revenue in new york city is like half the defense budget and that's off the books that's that's untaxed that's from eight what is it eight million people eight and a half million people in new york yeah so eight. think about it, if you taxed it if you regulated it not only are you keeping drugs out of the hands of minors you're putting a cleaner product into the hands of, of the people and then you can account for who's using this as well for prescriptions and what have you and most importantly like i said you can tax it but again if, if new york city is making a billion dollars a day i dare say the nation could let's just say make 20 billion dollars a day and then pump that into treatment pump that into healthcare because it's working with weed yeah it can be replicated with other substances i could rant on this all day you know what i'm saying but it's like you can't beat them we're spending two billion dollars a year for you know for the budget of the dea the drug enforcement agency and the problem alone is is generating cocaine alone is generating over 36 billion in, in revenue so it's almost like it's silly when, when you think about it but you know upgrade america holla at me mark and, and priscilla we, we got much to talk about but you got uh, any thoughts on it yeah I, mr zuckerberg is a very complex character that's that's the biggest thing i got from this news oh absolutely <laughs> everyone's an onion yeah, so it's 
It's interesting. Uh, what's up, Raw Daddy Dollar, Rhonda Brown, Fine Art? Hello. Um, I can't read something bar here. What's up? What's up? Hey. What's up, Zeus? Um, as far as the drug, you know how I feel about legalizing drugs. Like, let's go ahead and get it popping. Um, Portugal is a great example of what we can be doing here. Uh, granted, it's a smaller country. We can all use the tax revenue. I think about Florida as a tourist destination. Well, if you legalize oh, all drugs, man. my God, you can't. Where, where, where does Florida stand with pot right now? I think medical, medical is legal because um, you got all the cannabis shops and all that stuff mm -hmm. popping up. They're working on recreational, I believe. That's probably going to be the next push. Yo, one of these that's it right there. Like, recreational mixing with tourism. Like, yes. get it. You're going to make uh, some, some good money out there. Yeah, but, so um, I like the initiative, though. I I like that he's start, starting on a smaller scale. So taking mm -hmm. which is liberal, which is more likely to pass then you can kind of replicate that state to state especially states like mississippi very poor states would definitely benefit from drug crim um, decriminalization and legalization and i, I want to get into you know as far as like really clarify that like we're not selling crack at world dreams like i want scientists and you know universities to really study these core ingredients and find out how to make cleaner products, you know, and that's not going to hurt the, hurt the people well, as much because everything is, you know, has a trade-off. But yeah. um, it, it, what's something that we really need to discuss is how that revenue is going to be divvied up. Like healthcare, Fair. I see is one of our biggest concerns. And you got people screaming from the Bernie side, Bernie Sanders side, like they want that Medicaid for all. And I dig, I dig that, I feel you, but it's gonna cost a lot of money. Yeah. And like, we don't want to hurt. It's like the worst thing you can do is be like, yo, work harder and we're gonna take more money from you. That really it pisses off the working class. So if, again, if we can levy this taxation without hurting the working class, and still provide healthcare and other uh, other programs, you know, through this revenue, I think it's, it's, it's a great idea. We got Mexico right below us. I know they have, that has, there's a climate to produce it. I'm not saying like, let's break bread with the cartels, but I mean, like, perhaps it would encourage the Mexican government to, mm -hmm. I don't know. Get those uh, control those, those lands where where all the, this stuff is being processed and, and broker some bilateral deals with America. Mm -hmm. But I'm still not against uh, buying them or acquiring merger and acquisitions. What have you? No team, just us. What's up, Zoe? Okay, Mister Thirty Three out here. What you laughing at, Zeus? Um, yeah, man, just America needs to go ahead and upgrade, like we've been saying. Legalize drugs, tax this shit, let's get it out. That's more jobs. And what people don't realize, this is I make a big emphasis on this. When you legalize drugs, you have all these other industries it feeds into logistics, security, healthcare. Um, but the healthcare, but here's the thing, and how I envisioned it, and I wrote it in the book. 
is like for these facilities, when you're going in, you're buying drugs, there'll be people from healthcare on deck, on standby, like, you know, if you need that support. And I think that would be a better system than just letting the streets have at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I mean, it's about time. We got to get out of these old Puritan ways of how we do. Um, (laughs) I agree. Yeah, come on, man. America do better. We can do better. Um, What else are we going to talk about? You want to go next? Now, you mentioned uh, you had the SARS on there as far as in Nigeria and what's going on with that. Like, I seen a protest. I went to a protest in Philly. Uh-huh. And they're, they're doing that out there. And they're mentioning of stop killing us and about the SARS. But I'm not too brought up to speed on, on the scope of the situation out there. Okay, I'm going to read over a little... Um, basically what I got from it is it's an extreme version of what's going on here as far as Black Lives Matter and all this uh, civil unrest but they're actually like shooting their citizens for protest like that shit is wild like um, real quick Zeus said multi-billion dollar industry just look at Colorado as an example for the drug legalization no doubt Zeus like I'm saying and then imagine putting that that money back into like into the hands of the people. Yeah, that's schools, roads, infrastructure, transportation. Well, again, the, the, I would say there's like I said that healthcare is yeah, a fact, biggest yeah. priority. Yeah, well, that's true. You can probably give your your whole state. Now you think about it, you can give your whole state like affordable healthcare basically if you get that thing humming right. Hmm. Now I just thought about that. You wouldn't have to really wait on the federal government. You could do it on the state level. I mean, it would encourage every state to to do their part. Yeah, it's like I it's 2020, and I still don't see why every state is ain't jumping on at least the weed. Yeah, know? like it is what it is. You know, <laughs> dinosaurs ain't gonna stay in power forever. We waking up the people. They, you know, they got work to do. Uh, let's see why Nigeria is erupting. I'm gonna read this headline. So, All Africa's right. most populous country and biggest oil producer, that's interesting, has been convulsed by protests that started with anger over police brutality and have now mm. broadened, drawing worldwide attention. So, it says tens of thousands of Nigerians have been demonstrating for weeks a notorious, notoriously brutal and corrupt police agency. The Special Anti-Robbery Squad. That's where the SARS acronym comes from. Oh, okay. So, because I was like, yeah, I, I was like, are they talking about like the SARS too? I'm like, interesting. Okay, yeah, so, so it's like a special uh, ops group or a SWAT yeah. team, uh-huh. maybe. Second, it's not quite a SWAT team. It's just like a special, it's a special group for. Specialized police units. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like our infamous units in the U.S., like uh, the Rampart in L.A. Was it the Rampart Division? Uh, the Red Dogs in Atlanta. Um, the Executioners in California that we talked about. They kind of yeah, fall in the yeah. same, same, it seems like. Um, so they showed a popular... So you're saying it's like, a, it's like a police gang? It kind of sounds like it, to be honest. Would not be surprised because we're seeing more of this all the time. But wow, that's um, that's wild. Okay, so 
wow, learning some interesting facts. So here are some basics behind, this is from the New York Times, by the way. Uh, here right. are some basics of what's behind the protests and what they could mean for Nigeria, which has 206 million people. Holy shit. I didn't know that there many people in Nigeria. Yeah, wow. yeah it's almost like America. when we. Yeah, bro, that's like what? Five of our most populous states, probably. And I'm that's curious cool. what is what is the size, like geographically, like how big that is, or is it densely packed? Is there a lot of land? I don't know. Good question. I think probably size of Texas, maybe, if I had to gather. Okay. Maybe. Um, it's the largest oil producer and epicenter of the continent's economic, political, and cultural trends. Um, Interesting. It, exactly. Well, so hear, that oil makes a difference, too. I do um, hear about a lot of wealth in, in, in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So it could be a lot of oil money. Now, my question is, and, and shame okay. on me, like, who is in power? Oh, like, I think it's a president or prime minister. No, I mean, like, more specifically, are black African people in power? Or it's is it like some, uh, what is it, carpetbaggers that came from somewhere else and they just took over? Um, okay, I was gonna read a little bit about SARS too. What happened? No, no, go ahead, man. I hold my class, I'll save my questions to that. Yeah, you probably want to look that. Yeah, yeah, let me do that right now. You can do yours and I'll do some little research. Okay, um, SARS Special Anti Robbery Squad was created in 1984. Oh, shit, okay, in response to an epidemic of violent crime, including robberies, carjackings, and kidnappings. While it was credited with having reduced brazen lawlessness and its initial years the police unit was later accused of evolving into the same problem it's been designed to stop a criminal enterprise that acts with impunity so yes it goes along what we were talking about earlier like we suspected um wow said yeah hold on so i'm looking Wow. As far as who's in power, and it looks like Muhammad Mandu Buhari. Yeah, so basically it's corruption. Yeah, it's black on black. I hate to say it, but. So. Is that. Okay. And. Yeah, so. There's that. How would you, um, granted, you know, we got our own problems in America, but what mm-hmm. advice would you give to the people over there who are seeing this uh, deadly use of force being utilized when they are peacefully protesting? Oof, you got to be very smart and strategic about how still you still have to apply pressure because that's the only way you're going to change something. But you got to find a strategic way to do it without getting killed. I hate to say it. That's that's going to be you know, a challenge. You're a more patient man than I am. because, Or maybe it's just, you know, that whole uh, sacred oath of defending the Constitution and, and all that good stuff yeah. against enemies, foreign and domestic. But when law enforcement starts shooting protesters with deadly force, it ain't America no more. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Were that to replicate in the U.S., you know, oh, the times are done to 
we not peacefully protesting no more. Like nah. you demonstrated that you uh, don't give a fuck about the Constitution, and so we don't give a fuck about it either. You gotta do what you gotta do. So for them, I mean, um, I don't know <laughs> what their how their situation is with with arms and, and yeah. right there them. But at the same time, there's a nice little book called The Anarchist Cookbook that tells you all about how to do a revolution without the without having those. But uh, again, it's just like you can't you can't tolerate it. I think it's like if you accept it, it's just gonna set a precedence, and that's just gonna continue. But um, that's a good point. My, my, my heart goes my heart goes out to you know people out there. Yeah, man, you know, that's insane. But yeah. at the same time, is don't don't accept it. Yeah, and the president, shout out to him. He needs to like disband that shit asap, like, and like shut that shit down. Period. Was it Mohammedu Bahari? Yeah, it's quite a mouthful. But yeah, again, it's, that, that, um, like I don't even know what you're waiting on on that. So y'all do what you to do in Nigeria. Y'all, y'all fight the power, man. That's man. You can't even protest. And you know, I wanted to make a parallel. You were making parallels to America. Like we're mm-hmm. not far off from that. Believe it. I was not. shocked. Um. I believe there's a general who who was very who frowned upon Trump's use of the tear gas on the peaceful protesters, mm-hmm. and um, I'm like, and even the less than lethal, I was just like, I cringed, but I'm yeah. just like, it's not there yet. When you have people who are peacefully assembling and then you're using uh, they're using deadly force, then you know it's Tiananmen Square. You know, it's on uh, something of that magnitude where it's, it's another type of tyranny. But yeah. thank heavens we haven't reached that point yet. Oh, I wanted to real quick mention, I'm going to do a square job, <laughs> square jar for the episode and then donate whatever dollar per curse word to, like, I'm thinking of adoption, charities for kids. Oh, okay, I got but you. this for me. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to find uh, new constructive ways to, to use language, but you can hold me accountable. I do my uh, best. I'm I'm the wrong person for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. Uh, what do you want to dive into next? You want to talk about why people are voting Biden Harris real quick? Yo, I'm curious because yo, I, I love how you, I don't want to say you troll people on uh, on Twitter, but you invoke some strong emotions out of politically charged people. What I'm curious to hear about your experience. With that. So, I took like a little poll. It's not a lot of people. Whoever decides to engage, and I asked, "Why are you voting for Biden Trump?" Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Biden Harris. And basically, everybody said to get Trump out. That was it. I'm like, but I've seen like some of these people's opinions that I follow. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously more elaborate than that, but just seeing just that is like. No, uh, again, I think that is a result of the media because it's like, and granted, like I don't know Trump personally, but like sound bites, he does provide ammunition for the media. You know, to take sound bites and make them a certain type of way. But like, 
as if the other candidate is 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 more benevolent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's was like, because here's the thing: if 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 the media directed their 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 scope at Joe Biden, they could destroy him. They could. In, in short work, short work. So it seems like a lot of effort from the media is being pointed at Trump. But um, again, is it? I don't want to say it's brainwashing. Mm-hmm. But when your response is so simple that why do you want to get the why do you want to vote for this person to get him out? Nothing. What? Are you, just like they're not even getting anything in return. <laughs> Or maybe they are. I know. Uh, I know Black Americans aren't, but maybe the other groups, the people that voted, they might be getting something out of if Biden and Harris gets in. No, no, know. no. I mean, like, if your 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 primary reason for voting for them is merely to get another candidate out, like, <laughs> what are you? It's like you're just giving up your power just for that. Oh yeah, getting okay. anything in return. I don't know. We're going to see. Um, it's been interesting listening to dialogue, watching dialogue about this, because I do see some optimism, people being more informed and like really digging deep and looking at stuff. Um, I listen, I've been catching up on my podcast finally. And once I heard that one about who's the most racist president, <laughs> what was that? D- code switch or something? It was, uh, was it code switch or through? It might have been code switch. Yes, on NPR. I like them because okay. it's pretty down down the middle. Even they had to admit, like, just real quick, the episode talked about, like, is Trump a racist president? But you're talking about policy. You're not. Oh, talking- yeah, because on paper, Dang. he looks great. On paper, Trump looks pretty good. When he went down and he he listed some accomplishments in the debates, but mm-hmm. you're as you mentioned through policy. But what was the other uh, measure of com- that they're using? They looked like they looked at policy and they also mm-hmm. looked at uh, they did look at rhetoric. But mm. if you right. go, if you but they really measuring it off of policy. That really determines how racist you are because you're affecting lies with policy versus just saying stuff. I'm not saying his rhetoric isn't dangerous. We've seen that it is, but that well, policy is more dangerous to me. At the same time, I want to interject that negligence can also be dangerous, particularly in regards to how uh, law enforcement are, are handling shootings. Yes. And it's just like, if you're like, yeah, I gave money to black colleges and I reformed prison, but I didn't say anything about uh, the wrongful use of deadly force. Or I didn't in, I didn't enact any policy to, uh, to one, hold them accountable, and two, to, to mitigate further, further incidents. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've been catching up on my podcast and it's been enlightening because I've been learning stuff I didn't know, number one. Number two, it just shines a light on some stuff. You just look at things a lot differently. Um, but uh, you want to go ahead and dig into the debate since we write No, here? no. I actually wanted to pick your brain on like what was the conclusion? Who was the most racist president out of the two? 
or the oh. most racist candidate. Right? Well, the most. Oh, you talking about out of these two? Well, yeah. shoot, you're talking about these two. It'd be Joe Biden. And that's I wanted to hear you say that because a lot of our viewers may not have been expecting that answer. They oh, may have been thinking okay. that it was Trump, and it's just like when you look at Biden's policy, past policy, and you look at his past rhetoric, it seems pretty freaking racist. And then when you consider that he did the eulogy for a grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, it's like even more like, what the fuck? Darn it. I owe, have I owe a dollar to, uh, to swear to you bring up something interesting. This does show the power of propaganda in media. And it actually plays into Trump's hands when he say fake news, this, this, and this, to be honest. Like, because here you are, you have a candidate <laughs> that has a long history. Like, we gotta get to that debate, man, because Yo, and but I, I and I don't wanna say uh I agree with his fake news, but it's just like all news is fake, but the Democrats, re- I, I would say, they seem to control more news. It seems like it, yeah. If, if I and it's just it, like yeah. again, both candidates are racist, but one is just being painted as like flaming hot, and the other one is just like has a halo over his head, like a sweet old man who likes to sniff hair. But um. No, bro, but yeah, let's uh, let's transition to the debates. Yeah, let's talk about. It. So I wanted to try this since we both listened to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted you to present the argument for Biden since he's out of PA, and I was going to present the argument for uh, Trump, like who won. So I wanted to take oh, it from for who won. Yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna be quite frank with you. I What's think. Up, man? It would be difficult to say who won. Okay. I think I can honestly say that both parties, both candidates presented themselves very presidential. Biden wasn't so shut up, man, and and all that. And mm-hmm. Trump wasn't so like, well, he was kind of under the belt, <laughs> like poking like, yo, where you get that money from? Where you get that three yeah. mil from? <laughs> <laughs> with that but you're saying i'm supposed to say yeah like highlight argument for biden yeah no highlight highlight what biden did right in that debate and i'm gonna highlight what trump did right oh uh, okay what biden did right yo his poise was very on point i don't know if they really built a, a biden robot and put him up there one that doesn't stutter and they just got this one out there, Ben, but he, there was no disruption in his speech, so his delivery was was pretty small. Um, what else did he do that was right? He kept it presidential, more presidential this time. It wasn't so much as, uh, he didn't try to be like Trump. He didn't try to be that jerky assertion that he used in the first debate. Um, what else did he do that was pretty solid? While he outlined it, he emphasized what he was going to do with Corona, particularly with the mask, mm-hmm. you know, and it sounds like he had a solution, but it's 
he played a good politician. That's what, I'll just leave it at that. He did. He played a very well politician. But as far as convincing me, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. For Trump, what did he do? Uh, he was actually presidential. And remember, I predicted this off of his town hall. I okay. said whoever coached him for that town hall is probably going to coach him for this last debate because I saw the same consistency mm-hmm. of how he was acting. I was like, but then I was kind of disappointed because I'm like, dude, you should have been doing this shit. Like, you <laughs> probably had a little bit better shot. Like, it's it's a little late in the game to be presidential now. Like, who do you think? Uh, who do you think is coaching him? I was it. Uh, I thought I heard Chris Christie and maybe. Actually, coached him for the town hall. I think, if I remember correctly, um, which is ironic, you know how. Anyway, but yeah, I was gonna I thought there was a little friction. Yeah, I know. I think I think I heard that Chris Christie coached him. I think he could have been hall. more tasteful with his low blows, though. Yeah, and I think Trump. I did it like kind of being desperate at some time. Yeah, I do like how he handled, how should I put it? He did handle certain aspects. I felt like they were tied in some aspects and then Biden had an edge because he had more uh, specificity in what he was gonna do. And I think that's what hurt Trump, believe it or not. And then you could see, even though we, everybody, like, let's be real, everybody in America is kind of rooting for, the idea of Trump as far as how politics now is forever shaped as far as being yourself. And maybe that's what I respect about Trump is that he, to some extent, he is himself. And maybe that's what kind of inspired me to, you know, just be myself in, in regards to, to my political endeavors. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, even in the event we take office, there's a bit of poise that we must, uh, I say, adjust to to how we present ourselves and communicate. Because yeah. it's just like it's a lot of power from from the office. And, and hold on, I want to say one more thing. I know you said okay. that policy has the ability to affect more people, but it's almost like I can almost say the rhetoric does too. So I want to bring I want to bring up something historically. Okay. Like way way back in the day major league baseball right mm-hmm. chewing tobacco was like popular among the athletes the baseball players mm-hmm. and then they actually it actually encouraged children a lot of children to do it too mm-hmm. and long story short they stopped doing that just be like i think it, it made they've been, been banned from doing it just because of the impact it was having on kids long story short is people in power like you are looked up to and admired by mm-hmm. and the president is that dude he's like the highest office and arguably the free world so when he says like yo yes inject bleach into your arm <laughs> people did that shit and they died <laughs> yeah, yeah, like when he true. said yo drink hydrochlorophyll oh they couldn't get the pharmaceutical one so people got some shit that way they were selling man that's like three bucks now that I owe to the swear job. They got something from the fish tank from aquarium that sounds similar. They drank it and they died. But when the when the president says, yo, stand back and stand by, yo, these 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 radicals are thinking like, oh yo, stock up on ammo, get ready for, for that work. 
So the rhetoric, I, I can say, can be just as damaging as the policy. I would, I would agree with that. Actually, um, I still lean more towards policy shows how mm-hmm. racist you are, but I do agree that rhetoric in today's age, because of social media and how information moves, yeah, I think yeah, it's probably just as bad. Like. But that really shocked me when they started going down like policies and stuff. Like they even talked about Obama, like the porter in chief. I've heard that about... term term before. Yeah, like, I heard about... that when I wasn't into politics. Or I was just like, "Yo, he's black. I'm voting for him." Yeah, like, yeah. Can't shame on me. You know what I'm saying? But I, we, I am not ashamed for for assisting making history. I think him taking that office paved the way for us to take it. You yeah. know, like they would never give it to us. If, if it was a you know without Barack Obama being in place, but I've heard that about him being the deported in chief, along with a lot of his black ops in Pakistan. Yeah, and then you got to talk about Bush, and then also um, Clinton. Like all three in a row were pretty jacked up. Um, now uh, hold on, so let's let's stay on that. So Clinton was in Howard in '94, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. So it's like, did he sign on that? Did he sign the, the crime bill? Was it Bush or Clinton that was in? Ninety-three, but Clinton was in like ninety-three because he was there to like ninety-nine, right? It might have been something like because I know the other Bush was in around ninety-two. Hmm, you might be right. So now nah, Clinton was in there somewhere. He was in there part of that when Joe Biden and all that Democrats did that bill. What's up, Cuz? Queen, Mush, Mish, 23, what's up? Uh, what's it? India collection, John, what's up, what's up? Um, yeah, just like knowing that those presidents um, all had a part in, to be honest, Trump hasn't really had any racist policy that he's done. But again, that is strategy. I'm not like saying he's cooking up some mean plot, but it's just like, you don't want to be racist on paper. But at the same time, if you can do it outside the confines and I don't, I don't know. But, yeah. um, <laughs> so the debate was very, I'll say they obviously listened to the American public because <laughs> they changed their whole format up. Yeah, see? Um, which is good. They're listening and paying attention because um, Americans were pissed off about that first debate. So, um, yeah, that's all I got on that one. But again, I, for me, it didn't seem all that heated to where it was like, okay, you could say, yo, like this guy won, or because it was like they were more so addressing their their, their questions and going so much back and forth towards each other and I kind of would like to see a a final one where they both address scenarios because it's like I'm really impressed who would you say won? Biden won I would say yeah I give him the edge because simply because he was more specific and that's what hurt Trump just getting ready to say that he seemed more prepared and like when he came to outlining a plan yeah it seemed like he had more talking points with that and the thing is like Trump John you got the White House 
You got how many people on his staff? Like, you couldn't have them make you a PowerPoint? And like, here's the thing about these wonderful debates. You can promise them the moon, Mars, and all of that. You don't have to deliver. Like, you could have just came up there with some talking points. Okay, but while we're on the, the, the subject of the debate, and I don't want to go over this. Okay. Why was there no questioning on the military's role in the distribution of this experimental vaccine? And he uh, kept mentioning, that's one thing I'm like, okay, red flag. <laughs> Big red flag. Yeah. Like, don't worry. In two weeks, we're going to have a major announcement. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And I'm very <laughs> confident on our military's like capability to distribute. We'll be, they'll be distributing the vaccine. And I'm like, okay. Like, I just, me personally, just a warrior spirit in me. I, I associate the military with men with big guns. And I'm thinking, what do you need men with big guns to distribute a vaccine for? Like, isn't this or, something? Isn't this, isn't this something more uh, tasked for the CDC or the life force that I said I needed? That's what I was about to say. It's, it's pro- it would probably come in the form of that, not like what we're thinking, to dispel <laughs> that horror of delivering the vaccine. <laughs> it's just still something about. I know people in, people in camouflage fatigues uniforms going door to door, and I'm sure there's gonna be some guns among them. Of course, it, it just gives me the chill. I'm like, are we in this? Uh, are we in this sci-fi movie? And well, again, Operation, it's like Operation Warp Speed. We talked about it, and he mentioned it again on the debate stage. I was like, he, he did, but. Is, was there anything in Warp Speed that mentioned this would be mandatory? Now, within that article, I remember, I forgot who wrote the article. We were looking up the information. He did acknowledge that they are going to be in America because it's not going to take that vaccine. That's one thing I give him credit for. He said that. Trump says, yeah, like... He did also mention that there, there's going to be scarcity of it as well. And it's just like... Again, maybe I watched too many movies, been to too many combat theaters, and it's just something about the military giving out vaccines, vaccines that gives me the chills. But yeah, that's something that I... I'm glad you brought that up, because that was the one thing that I challenged you about with your life force, Hmm. is getting the trust of the people to accept their aid and help when that time comes. Remember, we talked about this. So this is an example of what you could run into implementing that. That's that's again. I want to keep health needs to stay a freedom. It cannot be something that's negotiated. Where it's just like that. that I'm sorry. That can that needs to be obligated. You know, and I think having that form of, of freedom. And incorporated with, uh, you know, with public health, mm-hmm. that would build trust. But when you get into the notion of, yo, you must do this by law, mm-hmm. and it, it's coming from the government, it gives me, it gives me chills, man. Oh, hold on, real quick. What's up, Nat baby? Okay. What's up, Ryan? Good, y'all good? Okay, Nat baby popping up. VA. Okay, all up in here. 
No doubt, no doubt. Motown, represent. Um, yeah, I'm good. All right, what else we talking about <laughs> at this point? Nah, nah, I'm just saying that's that's something. One of the major things I noticed from the debate, I was just like, okay, mm-hmm. no one, he's not gonna elaborate more on this, but uh, this just something yeah. to consider. I do like the moderator. She did do a better job on pushing the issue on both of them. Like, mm-hmm. she, and it seemed like there was a lot more fact checking too. That's another thing I noticed in this debate as well. Definitely, we're on top of that. Oh, my bad, Bahamas. Represent two four two. My bad. Damn. All right. But I think we need that again. With the, that's one thing we're fighting for is credibility with these uh, with these sources. Maybe yeah. government sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um. What What else you wanted to dig into? Since we already. Uh, hold on. Let me see what we got up on the board. Because I know we had quite a bit to discuss. So boom, we already hit. Actually, no, that's wrong. Get back to my inbox. Every note. Okay, here we are. No. What happened? I'm trying to get this note. No, okay, what's up? This is not it. Oh, okay. Here it is. It opens up in a new page. My bad. So we hit SARS. You want to talk about presidents and vice presidents sharing power? It's yeah, let's do that. Effective. Because here's the thing. America is a, a huge country geographically. Yes. And then it's, it, it's also, we have like over 300 million people. And the presidency is it's a tough job. So we're discussing the notion if power sharing is an option. Like there's this, um, besides Dick Cheney, you know, there's, there's the saying that the, the vice president just pretty much sits and chills and waits for, you know, the sitting president to die or be incapacitated. So he gets something to do. Granted, he is the head of the Senate, but you know, at the same time, it's, uh, I don't want to say it is a uh, symbolic position, mm-hmm. but it's me personally. I I think the the president has much more on his plate than than the vice. So, do you think it could be shared, and if so, how? This is the thing I was thinking about. Like, I think Trump and Pence do it a little bit, mm-hmm. but. Pitts moves so quiet, I don't know what the hell he be doing at the time. So he does move like a ninja. Um That's how you supposed to move though. I can't Yeah. I would say, say we're in presidency. We're definitely like I'm handling the the shit that you don't really need to. You're gonna do the priority list and I'll do the ancillary stuff. Oh no, no. I want you to do some of the heavy lifting too, because okay. uh, I may not be taking golf trips. I'm gonna be taking some hiking trips, but I'm thinking like, could it be done regionally? Because it's not—I don't want it to be like, yo, okay, since you you president, you take all the the prior top priorities, and you know, I, I manage the, the mid. I think it should be like, say, if it was done, let's take the Roman Empire for instance. They kind of had a West Empire and, and an Eastern Empire. You know, those things were done more regionally, yeah, and, and sharing power like that, and. It's just like, could the country be split down the middle and also like the West Coast would associate with Pacific affairs 
and then the East Coast would be associated with European affairs. Oh, you technically. And then, oh, okay, okay, hold on. I mean, I, I, I get to see my son. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, we got okay. flip flop. We can flip flop hemispheres and, 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 and such. But then it's like maybe need some assistance, you know, for for Africa, and we will have to figure out how to manage the Antarctica. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to reasonably might work. Yeah, I was trying to figure out where you were going with this, but you're saying like, yo, like, yo, Vice President Johnson, you go to the West Coast and handle these issues, and then I'll be here and say Wyoming, South Dakota, all these. I'm handling this. Yo, hold on, yo, thanks, Trav. About to have these hats on on deck for sale. 3D Hatter.com coming soon. Yo, my boy Gemstar is on. What up, my buddy? first my first client. You know what I'm saying? About to send this out to you, bro. Your t-shirt should be done shortly. Okay. So about to see a significant upgrade in the Upgrade America hats. But like I said, okay. my 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 DeVry alumni, Army veteran buddy, Gemstar. Entrepreneur friend, yo, he he inspired me to to make this my first client for this. You know what I'm saying? So he's about to get the matching t shirt. So, and this is another little side hustle that I'm doing. Okay. Need some phones repaired, NUNs, let's just say Central Jersey, hit Gemstar. Yo, he got the hookup. Okay. Nah, I think. I think that would be dope. I think Ashley Bush and Cheney is a good example of sharing power, even though Cheney ran that administration. He was very dominant. I yeah. But you it's would you, you didn't know from the you didn't know from the outside. Only people knew in the inside. Yeah, and but it's like if you followed the money, like you could tell from the outside, be like, yo, why is Howard Burton getting like every contract in yeah. Iraq? Oh, yeah. who's like, who's, who's big in Halliburton or oh, Dick Cheney is? And it, it ain't hard to tell. But I, I think power sharing should, it should be considered, or even if you keep the vice presidency, have a co president. Because it is a lot of responsibility for one person. But my final question for you is like, say you did split it, mm-hmm. who would be the ultimate decision? Like, the president. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say. So it's kind of like, yeah, you're handling most of it, but like, is the president a final step? Like, for instance, you got something popping off on, on PACAF uh, or Pacific Command or West Coast, what have you, but you would still need my authorization to do it? I would say that would be up to you, but I would do it that way to keep the, the consistency of the presidency. Okay. I would I'd be like, yo, this is the sit rep. This is my opinion. How do you feel about like where you stand on this? Yes or no? And that's how we would roll. Well, I got I got Travis, I got Jim, I got Saeed on. And I just want to ask them real quick, like Okay. The presidency is a big job, but do you think like it could be split up between two? Like a president and a co president, in addition to having a vice president? this make it with sharing power make things run more smoothly in america i don't know 
I don't know how the people would feel about having basically three presidents. <laughs> I mean, that- well, it's um in the IT world, they're big on redundancy mm-hmm. and uh, points of failure, and so it's like you're putting a lot. Really, when you putting a lot of pressure on one person, one individual, yeah, you know, and I, I, I don't know. It's just fun to think. It is upgrade America. Governments yeah. change. Governments change every day, and so the notion of just brainstorming on how to make it better is—it's nothing new. But I, I think that could work. It would be a now. Who would have authority to implement Congress? I guess. Yeah, you have to vote on that. Interesting. Yeah, that'll be a fight already. So, but it's like, what president would want to give up power? That too. <laughs> Yo, I ran for president. I ain't run for like having a co-president and a vice president. Who want to deal with that shit? That's just, uh, yeah. I, I suppose there's pros and cons for it. But yeah. again, it's something to consider in you know with a job that has so much responsibility and a lot of people are always critiquing the you know one man two heads are better than one so let's let's dive into this real quick okay did the u.s handle rona wrong but it's not what you're thinking. I was really listening. I forgot what I was listening to. I, like I said, I've been catching up on all my podcasts and I heard something that made me really think. And I thought about the um, debate with Biden was saying, like they're debating whether we go back, shut, shut America back down or leave it open. So. Yeah, I forgot about that. And that's yeah. kind of, I get where he, I get where they're going with uh-huh. that. And I don't want to say, ooh, socialists, endeavors to cripple the economy and make the people dependent on government it does seem like he's leaning that way particularly when uh, there's no mention of his 62 percent um tax bill that's true i heard that somewhere thanks to i think 50 highlights yo 50 cent it was like and that's why i wondered like they're saying he jumped on the on the naga campaign but i mean realistically yeah if I were a billionaire and I was voting for my portfolio and for my wealth, then yeah, Trump would make more sense. So like, you can't knock 50 for that. Like, pun intended, like 62% is more than 50. Get it? Because like 50 based on my... Anyways, dad jokes for me. Nah, this is... Nah, but this... When I was listening to this podcast, I forgot which podcast because I've been catching up with a bunch of them. Something made me think. I was like, okay... I thought of H1N1, swine flu, all that Ebola, right? But the country didn't shut down. But they did have guidelines. They did do this. Why didn't we do that? Is it because it's so new? Complete shutdown. Say again. It's. I'm gonna be real with you. It was uh, anomalies in the data. Mm -hmm. Initially, the way the data was being presented was that this was far more severe than than what it was or what it actually is Mm -hmm. and um when you when you get it coming in when you get that information when you're like oh my god like the cases are multiplying every three days remember they was feeding us that you're like oh my god it's it's 
that's exponential growth. So that is something to be uh, be feared. But when you have your analysts are uh, you have your analysts presenting these numbers and you're a decision making, you're like exponential growth. Like you know, that's really bad. So you would take drastic measures. But that's just me personally. What do you what do you think? Well, I was looking at it like this. All right. If we had responded to this quickly, stop all international travel, not domestic travel, all mm-hmm. international, no more international, right? CDC guidelines, social distancing, all that, elderly and people with like uh, ailments and stuff, y'all quarantine. Other folks, healthy, young, out there, whatever, mm-hmm. resume normal, but keep what we're doing now social distancing, masks, wash your hands, all this. And I, I'm starting to look at it like I think that almost would have been a better alternative to the complete shutdown because we still had misinformation. We still didn't know what the fuck was going on as far as everybody being on the same page. So I would say the, what was I going to say? The consistency, we we would have used that time to come up with a consistent message. That's the one thing I've noticed in Arona. None of the messages were consistent. All oh, this is that is this. It's like, yo, just get the basics that everybody needs to follow first. We're gonna do the research. We're gonna figure all this stuff out. That's America. That's what we do. We, so, but it's, I'm, I'm I'm so surprised that we don't have standard operating procedures for a nationwide pandemic. I know we do. Initiated off the rip, and you're right, we do. But it's just like again, someone has a checklist somewhere. Like, why were we not going down these steps? Like. I was really sitting here thinking about because I was listening to the podcast and they were like, and I'm thinking about all the businesses that are going out of business, especially small business destroyed across America. That's the bulk of our jobs in America is small. So you literally wrecked small bit like they can't come back even with the loans and all they're done like how long is it going to take for our economy to recover from that and late stage capitalism yeah bro like so i wouldn't say but it's like it it really it really seems like it because it's like you said the small businesses got killed a lot of them got wiped out but what happened what happened to walmart what happened to amazon Uh, these gargantuan mega corporations just got bigger they're yeah. just like, oh, you can't get your bullshit from here. Oh, another dollar to the swear job. You can't get your items from here. Like, get it from us. And they just, they got fatter. what they say? The wealth billionaires went up? It was crazy because they mentioned that in the debate too, actually, right? I, I do believe there there was some mention. It was like maybe it was 700 billion. Yeah, it's something crazy. Gained. It's nearly a trillion. And that was in a matter of months. So again, it's like, yeah, could we speculate and say it was designed and this was planned? Sure. That little card that I mentioned from the uh, the Illuminati New World Order game that like outlined all this. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But what we can say without uh, without speculation, with great confidence, is that it was leveraged. That people leveraged this crisis, or the wealthy rather, 
leverage this crisis uh, very significantly. Yeah, I was just really thinking about like, yo, if we had just shut down international travel, kept domestic, Mm -hmm. put in all those guidelines, quarantined the elderly and and the sick, like people that's had cancer or diabetes, if you got something like that, you might want to quarantine, self-quarantine. I honestly think it would have been a little bit better. Now, I mean, we're looking at it, you know, hindsight, hindsight, but really looking at what we've been doing that seems to be working if we had done that in the beginning and it wouldn't have caused as much panic. So Biden was saying that this is master. He wants masks to be mandated and be normal. Like, and I kind of get it because, you know, we've been to Seoul, we've been to Korea. And yeah. they did that on the regular. Matter of fact, like cold and flu season, you see a lot of people with masks, and it it seemed foreign to me at the point. And eventually, I got it. I'm like, oh, they're not doing it because they're contagious. They're doing it because like all us little germ spreaders are out there. You know, it's self protection. So yeah. are we going to transa- transition into that type of uh, society? Sure, I guess. Oh, damn, IG just cut off. I, it does that now. Um, shout out to IG. My bad. It just cuts off now. I was about to stop you and say peace out, but it cuts my off. My bad, my bad. Nah, you um, good. I think uh, um, we should set an alarm on the, um, for, <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, yeah, it's all like good. 58, 58 minutes or something. Um, or like, but you raise a good point, like, that's a point I'm making. Like, if we kept those standards, say, hey, it's flu season, mm-hmm. keep your mask handy. That should be the norm here. Now, that part definitely should be the norm. Um, if you're sick, you know, stay at home. Like, all this basic, you know what kind of infuriates me is, like, a lot of this stuff is just basic hygiene, to be honest, if you really think about it. It, it is, but the, the whole motion that COVID has changed how do you say office work like maybe permanent so yeah like, does it make sense to send people back because you're like sure you may vaccinate against covid but we didn't see covid coming which means you may not see something else coming you know as well so it, it, there's a lot of changes that, that are coming from this we need to take notes on how to address things in the future like rehat keeping mask on deck should be good um it's, I, I don't want to say it's only going to further encourage and increase the need for technology. Because now it's not like about cutting cost saving dollars, it's about health and safety. A robot won't cough in your food, health and safety. Yeah, that's you know? true. And then self driving cars, a whole nine yards. I told y'all before we need those skywalkers. You didn't hear me though. Oh, oh Hold up, speaking of that, segue, since you mentioned Skyward, Shit. I found a cool-ass article on um, this company. Uh, this is not it. Hold on. It's, um, they are 3D printing, like, buildings and homes and shit. Yo, that's what's up. Where are they based out of? Um, hold on. Where did I put it? There it is. 3D printing buildings, all right? I'm also going to uh, alert people on something else I saw that is very interesting. Um, 
But yeah, for so those who don't know, right. go ahead. Uh, now I was gonna say for those who don't know, like Skyward is my vision. Like I want to 3D print homes for every homeless person, and then you know make a pyramid four miles high. But we'll get into that another time. But okay, so. Shout out to Dubai, UAE, for doing this. This office, 3D put, um, this office is the largest 3D printed building to date. Two stories tall, built floor by floor with a mobile. What is it called? Um, I want to actually see that. 3D printed. I'm Googling it now. Okay. It was really cool. I saw it on Twitter. Yo, get out of here. This is crazy. Yo, yeah, this is exactly what I'm talking about. We may be talking about two different things, but like one I'm looking at looks like a little pod. Yeah. But that's exactly what I want to do with Skyward, but stack these things. Yeah, but yeah. I think we just using plastic, you can build homes and luxury homes. You know, that's, that spot looks dope. Like they it use really does. materials and everything, and it and they handle weather conditions. Man, that's and when you consider that it's like you can consolidate all this plastic rather than have it dumped in the ocean to that plastic patch the size of like three Texases. You know, you can build these glamorous luxury homes, and that's why I was like, yeah, I'm doing this, but it's helping me learn about 3d printers and, and get into that that industry like because that's that's changing the world and i want a piece of it sky yeah. america so but this is the, this is why this is not more widespread we talked about this plan obsolescence and corporate greed people are scared to pivot or they don't want to pivot i was what? just about to drop the f-bomb <laughs> f-bomb why we need to purge the houses, the senates, all the offices, upgrade America. Like it will never change with these dinosaurs who are pledge their allegiance to fossil fuels and smothering our, our, our lungs and, and everything for their greed. Like oh, it is never, it's never gonna change underneath them. We need to purge all the freaking offices. Like I like AOC. She, she's on a, on a, she's with the whole green initiative and things of that nature so maybe she can stay but like all the other people who are like yo they are married to the, that old way of life and destroying our environment and, and not effort we so, need no good while we on this gm to invest more than two billion in u.s manufacturing to increase electric vehicle production here we go you said GM? Yeah. Word up. Yeah. So I like that because it only makes sense. Yeah. It really does because, and spoiler alert, solar energy is becoming the most uh, cheap, efficient way to get power, which is ideally you can use that to power electric cars. Yeah. It, it only makes sense. It's prudent to, to go that way. And we talked about this before. Granted, not everybody would have solar like that, but the mm -hmm. states do could export it somehow. Yes. And like Florida would be one. Like I forgot, it's actually another state that has almost a year-long sunshine. I forgot. It wasn't necessarily Florida. Oh, Colorado. 
has the most sunniest days per capita or something like that. So based on where you're at geographically, it's mm-hmm. only prudent. If you're somewhere where you can tap into geothermal, like the Northeast, something like that, or tidal energy. Geothermal is like volcanoes and stuff. Yeah, that's like kind of like in the earth. You earth can, energy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I see it has that has that capability. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I want to learn more about that because it's like the earth. I mean, the sun is the most abundant source of power, but the earth, the oceans, there's so many sources of energy. Exactly. It's brave. We don't even do titles, you know, title energy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's Anything enough. Anything that moves can generate energy. And yeah. it's like when you learn about types of civilizations, type ones, type twos, and you no, know, they're the farther you advance, it's you're supposed to harness all of the, the power of a planet and then a star and then a galaxy. You're supposed to get power for free. Like the way we're doing it is just like it's caveman stuff. We're literally burning dinosaur fossils. Like, okay, this will make the car go. It's not smart. Um, another thing I wanted to bring up that farmers should be concerned about mm. is one of my favorite grocery stores in Florida called Publix. It's like a institution in Florida. Um, I love shopping there. Where shopping is a pleasure. Um, but them and Kroger are starting to do, look into vertical farming. Like they're having their own vertical farm. I like the idea because it's like you're you're kind of lowering the carbon footprint because you don't have to like ship the goods. Everything's kind of grown on site. Here's the kicker: where are you gonna get the energy to grow the grow that? Because if they're using if they're using clean green energy to to do it, then cool, right on. But mm-hmm. it's like if you have to burn coal to do it, I don't know. Like, nah, I mean it's just vertical farming. Like, yeah, but they take a lot of power. Let me see. They didn't really say. Let's see. Da, da, da. Okay, so in Florida, Lake Plant, Florida, which is like forty minutes away from where I live, mm-hmm. well, probably a little more than that. But they added a forty-foot container hydroponic farm in the parking lot. So they're starting, I guess, small. It grows okay. about. 720 heads of lettuce each week all sold in the store but it's still yeah 700 and how many 720 heads of lettuce each week so the customers can see that it's an equivalent to three acres of traditional farmland basically like Uh, um but yeah, that's coming, man. I feel bad for like it a is, but it's farm. the thing is like it's gonna be automated too. So it's like there's not the farmers aren't gonna be doing so much with that. I like hydroponics. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a pretty big fan of, of, of hydroponics and, and the concept of it. There is a a, a power. There's an issue with power. But at the same time, my understanding is that it's less water required and there's maybe less waste. 
with uh with doing it that way so there's some definitely some benefits from it the world is changing even yeah, the way yeah. they're farming man like i agree i'm just looking at it like boom like you crush you kind of crush farmers but i get what you're saying on an environmental tip that is way more efficient from because from farm to like grocery store is like a journey it is. so it's a lot of a lot of waste of, you know stuff like that and then it's on top of that if um you wouldn't need so much of the, the pesticides and all the crap that's true you yeah know, if it's like if it's grown in a controlled environment and then it's only going from like let's just say 300 feet because again with the, these notions of these these mega cities or even in this example it's being grown on site is it's brilliant and i, I see yeah. no no end in sight for with it oh but, no, um, I, I think though with these the absence of these uh these office buildings and, and other structures it should go towards that like these farms in the city um and we knocked out a few topics with that one. So I want to talk a little bit about Yo, my boy Mula Washington, Air Force recruiter, who appreciate. Um what people don't realize is the fucked up voting history. I curse for you. Um in America. <laughs> no, like I was listening to that podcast on Throughline and they were talking about how we vote and like the things we still do from back when it was originated. Like so what? first, first it was basically like a party. Like George Washington had a big party, and you go up there and say, "Hey, I'm voting for George Washington," and say, "Oh, I'm, up, I'm George going Washington." Up here. Huh? I, my understanding, he was like a federalist and very much opposed of political parties. That's probably true, but I'm saying when it came down to voting, like election day was more like a festive event. It's okay. gone away from that. That's the that's what I'm trying to highlight. Interesting. Um, and making it a holiday we could actually bring that tradition back. Exactly. And tell me more about Mr. Washington. Sorry. Well, basically, they were just saying he bought like beer, he had like rum. I think they had food, and they just voted. They voted at the party. Like they just voted. Like. I'm clearing, I'm declaring, I'm voting for George Washington, blah, blah, blah. They would state it out loud. Everybody like, uh, you know, it was well, like, like that. So you're saying the notion of political parties came from actual parties? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess it, you put it that way. Yeah, I guess it kind of some other beer and rum and then and fun. Yeah, that's true. Like, <laughs> sounds like a party. But like you said, if if it was a holiday back in the day, it's not yeah. that. You know what I I'm saying? It, so I we really need to go back to that. Granted, like I said, we we need that online voting, but at the same time, it should be like not so much with the beer and rum, but like. I mean, if it's a holiday, it should be a festivity. Like, yeah, it's a big day deciding the the next leader of the of the nation. Like, yeah, it should be a party. Um, that's cool. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, like they partying and stuff now. But the dark side of all this is a lot of jacked up stuff back in the day. Like, like what? Like your ballot used to be either Republican or Democrat. So people know what you're voting based on the piece of paper you have before you put your ballot in. 
So they had to keep evolving because people were getting beat up, getting killed Ooh. over who they was voting for. They were... And this was in like what? This was still in the 1700s? or Yeah, 1800s, 1700s range around that time. And then what kind of changed the game was the Australian Secret Ballot Initiative. So shout out to Australian upgraders. So I think they did it in Roman times too, the uh, Secret Ballot. But yeah, that, I could see how that would be frowned upon doing it publicly and how that would result in beatings. And- yeah, because they presented all these scenarios. Like, say you're going down to vote and your boss or the company that you work for is then he see how you vote or you better vote how I vote or you're fired. Mm-hmm. It was like scenarios like this or um, people buying votes. So, oh, you know, a lot. It was a lot of poverty and stuff back in the day. So they like, yo, I'll feed you a sandwich if you vote this way. Like it was shit like that going on. So I'm curious if something like that could go on in 2020. It's it's a lot more refined now. Particularly now that you can uh, with the mail-in thing, and you can see like, see, take a picture of. I don't know. Um. What else is uh, was juicy in the voting? Okay, so the Australian ballot, also called the secret ballot, um, it was started in 1856. Um, and it spread to Europe and the US to, you know, demand protection for uh, voters. Ironically enough, there is an unintended consequence to this though. For newly freed slaves or for stuff like that or people that's illiterate it still wouldn't matter because they don't know they can't read so that still was a part of the process of how they would keep people from voting was the fact that people weren't literate that was part of it too but um it was very interesting listening to this podcast about it it was really dope um but yeah, man, like this one story they had presented, the guy, brother got killed. He got shot because of how they were voting. They tried to intimidate them. They had like, I guess you would call them like political packs now, but you had it more on a street wow. You had so more like, on a street it, it really makes you think, look into these political terms, like mm-hmm. packs and super packs. So they could be like gangs of like enforcers to make people exactly oh, that's what they were doing play. yo that's wild i never and we just take it for granted you're like yeah we're gonna form a pack <laughs> we're form a super pack yo like people should check out that episode like i might have to put the wow, link in there. it's really good like because it makes you think and it, it fast forward to the day and that shows the importance of why we need online voting we've been pushing for this and it's coming because um, like I said on my IG, I can track my ballot now via text, email, all this stuff. When it gets counted, when they receive it, all this. Really? So, it's, it's, so one you're, more you're step. Mailing, your mailing ballot? Yeah. That's pretty dope. So what's the next step is online voting. I had a debate with somebody on Twitter about this and they're, people are so resistant to it, but I said, we do almost everything online. Even I can admit that. And you know how I am with technology. 
But I'm like, if you do this- our banking online, like at the end of the day, we care about our money. I would dare say some people care more about their money than they care about their vote. And if you trust your direct deposit, you trust your your online accounts, like I'm very confident we can move a single vote. Yeah, and I'm like, there'll be there'll be like protocols in place to make yeah, sure you're counted and all this stuff. But I'm like, online is the only feasible thing going forward so we can avoid all this shit so we don't i just read on twitter somebody said the post office is working like to 10 p.m at night i've never heard of no shit like that wow you getting over son yeah but still like they're out there to, you know so much can happen when and i can speak from doing route work when you're on a route you get tired bro you're not thinking after a while your brain kind of shuts off you're on autopilot because you're fatigued mentally and that's something uh, they have to consider as well. Exactly, that and comes with like errors and stuff like that. So, like, and, uh, so it. while you're mentioning it, and I don't really recall the state, but there mm-hmm. was some mention of a huge amount of votes being lost. Mm-hmm. Like this just occurred. Like scrolling through my Facebook news, and I, I totally uh, forgot the the location. But yeah, this is happening. With there's a margin of error with the U.S. Uh, post office delivering votes. And again, i much rather trust zeros and ones and the blockchain and our beloved internet than um, all these points of failure. Yeah, and like, and, and this is the thing I presented to somebody because they were like, oh, voting, get hacked, can't trust. I said, I said, what's the difference now? Like, I was like, we're not eliminating how we vote we still vote by mail still we would include mobile voting for like rural areas or the elderly or disabled or whatever and i agree i wouldn't say it'll be a primary way of doing it just an additional option exactly and people are so against this you'd be surprised how many people are so against that shit and i'm like I said we just did the sense. Are they techies? Are they important. like IT people? Or are they just like? Because no, I I, like, I went at it with uh, a tech friend who's, who's pretty knowledgeable on you know on IT concepts. He's not so knowledgeable on the blockchain, and I think if he spun up on on that, he would see that it's very uh, secure. But it's coming, man. Yeah, like it just to me, it just only makes sense. I'm like, and I, I gave an example. I said we did the census online this year. Yeah, they had people come to your house. They also had mail. They had three options. Why can't we do that with voting? That's all I'm saying. Oh well, the census is not important. It's not important getting funding to where you need for schools. Yeah, they. Uh, it's it's pretty important. But I think uh, the biggest step, again, for, for online voting is that authentication. It's a user authentication. Yeah. And it's like, how do you prevent someone from logging in as someone else? Exactly. And, um, I, think I with agree. The, with the mobile thing, then, yeah, you should have some sort of, it should, be, it should have to take a picture of you. And then you should have to present a, scan a photo ID. And then, I don't, I don't know, it has to be some sort of authentication. Yeah, I agree with that. That's, that's the biggest thing we would have to focus on. And then 
I would say do it like I suggested regionally, like the Southeast region, Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, like that way it's not so much stress on the system, I guess, or something like that. Okay. Um, I think that'd be ideal. I don't know, I'm not that technically inclined, but I would say- I think again, like when you're really thinking, it's just text and it's it's real, it's a small amount of information. Yeah, like- So I don't think you would overwhelm the system. This is my ballot right here. Like, that's it. This is like my practice ballot. But I did want to touch on this. So because of our esteemed program, I noticed some interesting things. And I was actually impressed by Florida's progressiveness this time around for these amendments. I actually was shocked. So one of the things we talked about is the minimum wage, right? We do agree that we need to change that. We need to increase it because of inflation, all this kind of stuff. So what Florida is doing, it won't be fully implemented until, um, well, it's in stages. So the first stage is basically raises the minimum wage of $10 per hour, September 30th of 2021, which is next year, which is good because Florida right now is like at eight something for minimum wage. Thereafter, minimum wage will increase a dollar an hour until the minimum wage reaches $15 per hour on September 30th, 2026. Then September 30th, 2026. Yes, it, it should be at $15 an hour. Wow, that's kind of far. Yeah, I got you. But considering where they're at now, they're mm-hmm. they're basically about to bump it up damn near two dollars next year. Like that's pretty progressive for Florida, trust me. Um that point forward though, this is the part that I enjoy. Future minimum wage increases shall revert to being adjusted annually for inflation starting September 30th, 2027. You know, and it's just mind boggling that that's not a thing. Yes. <laughs> like, how does that not make sense? And not, not, I get it. Like, your employer, employers tend to give an annual raise. But it doesn't even compensate for the inflation. It could be like one, yeah, even nice, like, yo, 2026 is a little far off, but like 1%, let's just say inflation is 3%. You get a 1% raise, you're still underwater. And every year, you know, that water line just gets higher and higher, you know, if you, yeah, they gotta compensate for the inflation. That makes sense. How is that not a sense? And I, and I say, like I said, it should be a living wage, meaning based on the area, your geographic area, your wage should be competitive or comparable to where you live, where you can afford your basics in life. Um, which in Florida, as a single person, no kid, if I remember correctly, by MIT was like, and it wasn't even that high, it was like $12, $12 an hour or some shit like that for a, a living wage. Florida. Yeah. So then things got to be like dumb cheap down there. Give or take. uh, It just all depends. (laughs) Yeah, you froze up on your camera froze up on my end though. Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah. I know my internet is kind of a 
little inconsistent. Let's see. Can you still hear me and everything? I can hear you. You sound loud and clear. Rose. Okay, I'm moving. I seem to be fine. Okay, well, we can press and see how it mixes down. But okay. What else we got on the... Uh... Um, so that was a big one. Um, let's see. Another one. Oh, all voters vote in primary elections for state legislator, governor, and cabinet. So knowing that I'm non-party affiliated, mm-hmm. we're left out of those until like the last minute. Until like, I guess the very last primary or whatever. They got like the special... Um, times where I can vote since I'm I don't belong to a party, and I love this one because that means I'm more included in the process. I don't have to wait until a certain time for me to vote, basically. So that's always a benefit. Yeah, that was absolutely. Uh, let's see another one real quick. Uh, this one I didn't like. Voter approval for constitutional amendments. Basically, and the reason why I didn't like this. approval for constitutional amendments? Yes, but what they wanted to do is do two elections to pass one thing. And I don't like that. That's a So hold on, you're talking about like, I kind of like that. You're saying that people would vote on making changes to the constitution? Yeah, Yeah. I like that. No, no, but they're saying you have to vote twice to get something passed. I don't like that. What do you mean you have to vote twice? They, you would have two elections. Yeah, one for like one for voting for a person for a candidate, but like let's stay on that though. Like making changes to the constitution is a pretty big deal. So okay. I think they should have the consensus of what they say. Yeah, you know that Thirteenth Amendment about like no slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about we like amend that again? You know. Uh, and if they were up to the lawmakers and they're all for it, they could do it. But I think the people should have be able to override or at least weigh in on some changes made to the Constitution. No, I'm not. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking no, about having totally to misinterpreted. Huh? Then I totally misinterpreted what you're saying. No, it's, it's doing it twice. That's the point. Because I'm, I'm about to give you a case study of what happened with okay. this. With the felons being able to vote and pass a marijuana, mm-hmm. you got to keep doing that shit over and over. So basically just to even get, it took it took two elections to do the shit anyway. So I'm saying I'd rather do it in one shot than trying to do it twice just to get one thing passed. Uh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like I think it's too redundant and it gives them wiggle room to filibust and do all this other bullshit. By doing it one shot, one kill, it's like that. If it don't get approved, then it we gotta wait till it comes back up. But doing it twice, you're already kind of delaying the process. And okay, that's, so then that, that kind of makes sense. That's what I said I didn't like about it. Um something it was something about combat related disabilities. Of course I'm voting for that. Uh, something about property tax yeah I think that should be chill um, it was something else that did catch my attention though and I don't see it it was like you had to be an American citizen to vote or something like that and I thought that was interesting how do you feel about that <sighs> I thought that was the case yeah that's kind of what I was confused at too and this is how I looked at it. 
for people that would fight against this. Mm -hmm. If we live in any other country, we immigrate to another country and live there, and we're a resident of that country, a citizen, more than likely we can't vote. Let's take Germany, for instance. Yeah. If I went out there, I hung out there for for a little bit, I lived out there, yeah, I don't think they would let me engage in their politics. So that's how I looked at it. I said, if I was in another country, how would I feel? Nah. You're not a citizen. Nah, you can't influence what we do here. You're not a citizen. So that's kind of how I looked at it. And that made more sense. And it, I guess it kind of helps that we've traveled. We kind of understand that. Ah, there you are. Got your video back. Oh, you do? Yeah, because you're good on, on my end. is good. Like, we're good on my end. So Cool, cool. But yeah, I think that having that international experience made me look at it from a different perspective as well. Like, I go to Korea, like... Hell no, they're not letting me vote for their prime minister. Like, no hard feelings, I get it. And the same should apply here. And because you always hear about certain parties like catering towards, uh, you know, different nationalities because they have more illegal immigrants. And, mm-hmm. and therein, you know, essentially that could translate into an army of voters. So again, yeah, let's do it all American. Yeah, so that's how I looked at that. But what I did like is they, I feel like they've been listening to the program. <laughs> yeah, somebody's out there taking notes. Somebody's yeah, taking we already notes. know. I mean, Florida does listen. I don't think Tallahassee listens. That's where our capital and okay. all that comes from. But they're paying attention. So it can be routed that way. But yo, I know we uh, there's an update on the Breonna Taylor story. Yes, let's talk about it. Make sure we get that in there. And yes. then... We're doing pretty good on time, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, I think we are hour 40 in. Are we? Okay. So. No, no, we're hour 30 in. We're good. Okay. Um, Brianna Taylor. Okay, so they're saying. uh, Is this a story? Okay, so juror in Brianna Taylor case said grand jury didn't agree. Fatal shooting was justified. So, yeah. Now. And, and reading about this, it was like they weren't. It's saying like they weren't even there to discuss that. <laughs> they're there mm-hmm. to discuss something else. Hold on, let me let me go through this. This is from NBC News. So a grand jury who heard evidence in the Breonna Taylor probe said Tuesday that the grand jury didn't agree that her fatal shooting was justified. A disclosure that came after a Kentucky judge ordered records in the proceedings released to show if. Publicity elected officials are being honest. So, in the statement, grand juror number one, as a person has been identified by lawyer Kevin Glogor, said that the only charge presented during the proceeding was wanted endangerment. Wow. So, again, that charge is the charge that was placed on the officer who shot at the walls of yeah. Breonna Taylor's neighbors, not Breonna Taylor herself. So former Louisville Police Department Brett Hackinson was indicted last month on that charge for firing shots into the apartment of Taylor's apartment on March 13th. So not for not, not for Breonna Taylor. So Kentucky, Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, no relations, <laughs> office investigated the fatal shooting, has called the use of force justified. He's also spineless puppet, so I can't can't blame him. 
Taylor, 26, was shot to death after officers with no-knock warrant broke down her door during narcotics investigation where they found nothing. They found nada. It was so unjustified. But it's it's there. We're still, we said we we're going to stay on top of this. Mm-hmm. And this is just the uh, you know, latest information I got about it. It was saying like they didn't even really address the shooting of Breonna Taylor herself. They're like, yeah, he's guilty for like for this. But they did. They didn't even address that, and it makes me feel like justice doesn't apply <laughs> to to Black America. It's just like it's just our lives are just written off. Like whatever, fuck it. Another five dollars to square job. But like, it, that's just how I feel. It's just like police can come into your house, they can murder you, and like no one cares. And as long as you have a black attorney general like saying, yeah, it's all good. Good shooting. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's, it's Again, I'm just like, yo, remain calm. Because I still have faith in the FBI. I, I do. When I want to, I, I want to assume that, yo, they're going to do their, their, their impartial, objective investigation. And did I use impartial room? Maybe. But they're going to do their objective investigation <laughs> and, like, just really get to the bottom of this and maybe, you know, shine some light on, on corruption within the department. I guess that's the frustrating thing. What we know about COINTELPRO, the history of FBI and all these other agencies with Black Americans. Hmm. True, is- true, true. They can't be trusted, really, to do their job objectively and impartially, like you said. Like, at this point, we have too much receipts on them. Like, our faith is lost, basically, in law enforcement agencies, period, across the board, Um, I would say. And it's even, it's like, you know, it, it hurts when it's like, the police are like, there are with their injustice, their brutality. But it hurts like when you have Mr. Cameron, no relation, going up and he's covering it. He's just like like that's what hurts. It's almost like two systems are teaming up, you know, against the the black community, and that that's what it's. I don't know. I I am gonna maintain my optimism mm-hmm. and patience, and we will we'll see what happens after that investigation. I really wish there was some way to follow up or see the status or the progress or the findings, but we're we're just gonna have to uh, keep following these headlines. It would take a some kind of whistleblower or something to really, I think, put a nail in the coffin. Sorry to be moderate, but from within the police department or the justice department? Probably just justice department as a whole, or just it, it's going to take somebody in the creepy, well, not creepy, but the jacked up thing about whistleblowers have a history of getting assassinated um, economically, socially, not necessarily like by yeah, gun yeah, yeah. like that, but like in those ways, loss of credibility. Um, 
We need to do an episode on whistleblowers too. You're right because there's a big whistleblower lieutenant colonel under the Trump administration, and I don't recall what happened to him. I know he left the administration, but it's just like what happens. He was active duty military. So what happened there for his military career and things of that nature? But you're right. We do owe an episode to to whistleblowers. Um. I don't know, like seeing that just confirmed what we all been saying the whole time. They don't want justice. They just want this to go away, especially after they paid the money. They definitely want it just to go away now. And the sad thing is, like, will it go away if the Democrats take power? Will people stop giving? I almost contributed another dollar. You won't get get no more from me, little orphans. But um, with that's a good point. Will they, will, if, point. Will they be like, okay, like, yeah, Democrats in power, they don't need to care anymore? I don't know. You still raise a great point, though. What are they going to do about cases like Breonna Taylor when they get in? You know? Um, I, I, I got to see if there's going to be any more virtual town halls for, for Biden, if I can troll them in, or see how I can get some, some questions. Because uh, that's something I would like to, to see done. Or you know, another thing I noticed. In the, another thing I noticed in the debate, on both debate, the race, the race uh, topic is very brief. Mm-hmm. Because no it's uncomfortable. for both of them. No, it's just, they're like, do we gotta do it. It's like, what is it, the colonoscopy or whatever? Like, yeah. Like we got, yeah, we gotta do it just to say we did it. Like, get it done. But it seemed like that, and then they struggled through it, and then they like, okay, on to the next one. Yeah. Like, no talk of reparations, and it's just like, it. I'm more, I get the Trump, black Trump supporters, whatever. Fifty, you got bread, you know. Biden talking at sixty-two percent, but it's just like it's the black them, the loyal black Democrats. That mm-hmm. really baffled me. It's like, yo, what up, Joe Perkins? Buddy, uh, I think he's still in Germany. Think he, think he's over in Germany. Great times, fellow okay. defender. But, okay. Um, it's 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 a uh, it's a loyal black Democrats that continue to blow, vote blue no matter who without getting a single thing in return. So like, yeah, I think Biden should at least discuss the. He said he was talking about a committee. For reparation, he would start a committee for. It. He should at least entertain that idea on the debate. Bro, like they both, they both failed on that part. Like they both tremendously failed. Like all Trump kept saying those HBCUs, but when you break down wow. HBCUs, everybody can, can go there, and white people can go there as minorities. So really think about that. Mm. When they're made for basically black people to go to college to get educated, basically why they were started. Granted, some of them were started by white men for segregation reasons, I think, if I'm correct. What? Maybe, I did not yeah. know that. We I might know, have to do a life on man, man. Everything's good. Yeah, salute to whoever you're talking to. But yeah, I did not know. I would want to look into that as far as like. <laughs> It's a weird way of being, of going for segregation. If they're going with the notion of truly separate but equal, mm-hmm. 
Do you think that was instilled in the formation of some of those schools? I feel like that. And I've been listening to um, Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. His story has been very fascinating, very inspiring. Now, when was that written? Uh, ooh, I don't know. I'm listening to the audio book. But it was Booker T. Washington in the 1800s? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a classic. So, I mean, I had to look into that. Yeah, it's good. And... I kind of get his perspective. It's interesting. He's more about a meritocracy than anything. He's more about your merit goes through color, class, all that. If you're like a hard worker, you know, mm-hmm. dignity, respect, da 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 da. Like that's kind of his philosophy. And I, I know. I mean, I think that would be cool. That yeah. would be great in the perfect world, but I don't think it's that uh, cut and dry. It's not. But it was interesting to. To see his level of optimism and hope mm-hmm. in those times, listening to this like audiobook, I'm sitting here like, wow, this dude is super optimistic. And like not to harbor any ill will towards or Southern whites. So yeah. yeah, for the Southern yeah, he, he was born a slave. Like, so oh, I'm sitting God. here like mind blowing, like, whoa, like he had to create like I think he created his last name or something. Yeah, I think it was his last name. He created that. He just said, oh, I'm Booker T. Washington and went to school. I'm like, yo, that's wild. Like, you really think about that. But it's yeah, like no when you're name. born with, yeah, I was going to say when you're born nameless. And But I did hear that about a lot of slaves being free. They, they took the name either free man or if the slaves who were owned by presidents, they took the name of the president's name. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of Johnsons, a lot of, uh, you know, Washingtons as well. But the notion of that is crazy. I'm going to add that to my, to my, my playlist. Yeah, I've seen it. Get a, a, a grander perspective. Because, like, we were discussing before, um, I'm still listening and watching that show, uh, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I slept on Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, like slavery was the hardest of you know of the, the biggest and what our ancestors endured, and that's you know like Jim Crow was like downhill, like smooth sailing, a bit better than a lot better than slavery. But it was still pretty bad, still pretty bad, man. It's I look at Jim Crow as just a refined version of slavery. It's the refined, a refined version of slavery, but I think while there was a lot of energy instilled to keeping slaves enslaved in the mindset and culture and and everything at the same time i think in jim crow a lot of that's when a lot more of the hatred aroused because it's just like you 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 raised up a very great point you said that essentially slaves were assets black slaves were assets so a lot of time and, and work was invested into them to giving them all the skills and you said like unions were created just because blacks had all the skills, you know, like farming labor, labor skills. But you don't see how that would create animosity. Now slaves are free with the ability to earn a living and they're high they're highly higher value, better commodities. So yeah, I see in those Jim Crow times that has instilled a lot of hatred, like not only are we supposed to look at this this freed black man as equal he's almost more than equal because he has more skills more earning potential 
And then so employers would still pay our ancestors like less. And, you know, it's just groups of hatred emerged around that just to keep us down. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm learning about Jim Crow. And there's no way in hell that that's just died out in like a hundred years. That is still prevalent today. Oh, yeah. It's, there's a documentary coming out that's going to discuss this. Exactly what we're talking about. It's called Butt Breaking. Anybody go Google Butt Breaking, you will see it's a horrible practice. Um, but what he's discussing, he's going to go through the history of it, but he's going to definitely do focus on more modern times, what that looks like. Okay. Can you tell us what it is real quick, though? Butt breaking is basically you take the biggest, strongest slave, mm-hmm. if they're disobedient or something, and what the slave masters would do, some practice varies, practice, practice is they would basically dehumanize and emasculate this big, powerful slave in front of everybody. Men yeah, I heard much. about that. Uh, now, is that part of the Willie Lynch book? you know just just such so much psychological mind effort not getting a dollar from you has been put into you know really breaking the minds of 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 slaves and it's like yeah the psychological effect of they're like yo demasculating the biggest the alpha more or less Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to have a, a huge effect on you know on the other members and it's like it's wow but what, i get that now what, what did you say was the modern day version of that um let's see what's a good example um probably kevin hart his homophobic slurs or beliefs he's supposed to host the oscars or something like that mm-hmm. And he apologized for that, but they basically embarrassed him. And like, we don't see it, but you know how Hollywood entertainment politics works. There's meeting behind doors like, hey, you Mm. might want to change what you said, or we're going to cut off your money or cut off this you know endorsement this goes especially for athletes that's probably the better example oh yeah yeah definitely why they don't speak out politically why they don't talk about black empowerment stuff like that is because hey that's like a form of buck breaking it's like yo i know you powerful and strong on the field but i got you off the field Mm, wow that was a really great analogy and um Mm -hmm. wow and you can actually put that into perspective with like, and I don't want to say no names, but like, for, yeah, with athletes and activism and the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so it's like, it, it, I'm still processing this, man. Cause it's like, yeah. yeah, it's like, wow, they're still powerful. They're still wealthy. They are still to some extent enslaved to the system. Even yeah. on that, even on that level. Wow. Yeah. And that's kind of why you don't see certain celebrities or people speak out is because of the ramifications of if they do, they lose mm-hmm. role, they lose endorsements, they lose all kind of stuff. That's why they don't do it. What I mean, I guess that's what made the NFL protests so radical is because like these guys are risking all of that. And on top of that, you have a sitting president saying like he's frowning upon it. And it's just like, 
shaking my head because it's just like, yo, <laughs> kneeling during the national anthem, the protest police brutality is by far the most peaceful way to protest. Mm-hmm. Y'all should have just accepted that, let them do their thing. But it's just like, there's, you gotta be uh, aware of symbolism. symbolism. Absolutely. We talk about it all the time. You remember Kaepernick was kneeling, but how did George Floyd die? Mm, He was also from kneeling. And then the third symbol is, again, I keep resorting back to this. uh, You guys can look it up through your due diligence, but there's this card game that came out in like 1993 that kind of showed the twin towers a little bit about this coronavirus and they show a cop kneeling as well so that's there's right. a lot of symbolism with this that that's going on behind the scenes and you know we gotta decode that but it's like you've had that opportunity for a peaceful protest and you shut that down and now people are burning the world down and it's just like yo you should have listened uh you, you really should have listened when they're doing it peacefully. I was man, more management. Yeah, so I'm really waiting on that documentary. Um, man, it's deep because it goes into your job. Like, think about black people at work, what you go mm-hmm. through. Like, you can be buck broken at work. Like, if you're very intelligent and not afraid, say, outspoken, mm-hmm. stuff like that manager your management could find ways to uh retake that power and show their dominance oh man there's always reprisal yeah always reprisal particularly when people feel threatened yeah you as well so like this is that it comes with the comes with being black it's like you're naturally viewed (laughs) as a a threat so you know yeah trust me I, i i know all too well and People don't like to hear this, and I brought this up before. It it was very heavy in the military, at least during my enlistment. What we're describing. <laughs> I think you, you you saved me from quite a bit of that because I was yeah. I was fighting back, man. Like, yeah. And he's like, nah, bro, you gotta refine, tone down, and I'm like, and I did because it's like you can't. That is not military. Ain't for rebels and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rebelling and, and yo they will square you away or boot you out and it's i gotta shout out i gotta shout out my boy um i call him jay gutter from georgia georgia boy um he's the one that kind of lit the fire in me to learn how to fight back within the regulations mm. he put me on that because he used to get basically they used to mess with him all the time because you know, he did his own thing. He wasn't afraid of them. You know, they kind of thrive off of that. You got, We got to break down something real quick. A lot What's of people up? that become in leadership positions in the military were picked on in high school, bullied, all this kind of stuff. They oh, bring it, it to shows. their race. It shows when people yes. get, when people put on that uh, that fourth strike, then you become staff sergeant. Yeah. Like the Napoleon complexes come out all the you know whatever the hell the bullying and, and stuff and it was just like i i see it and when i didn't have that rank i peeped that and i told myself like yo i'm gonna get that rank too and i'm not gonna be like that because it's, it's weak people who reflects that power you know like it's power comes with with you know with responsibility and 
know, it's supposed to wield it wisely. Yeah, and like so, like I said, shout out to him. He's the one that taught me planting the seeds. Say, hey, yeah. learn the regulation. That way, you oh, know indeed. it. That way, they can't mess with you. And, and that, but the same thing goes on outside here too. Is like absolutely. It's we need to be more versed in the law. I'm not saying become a lawyer past the bar, but we. I know we did a crash course before, and I think we need to go further in depth, but. We need to know the laws so that we can one protect ourselves and operate within the confines uh, of laws and, and push back when, when necessary. But uh, you know, on the military thing, learning to write rebuttals, yeah, and, and things of that nature, like that helped me and stay afloat in the military. As well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I- I just wanted to bring that up and like, don't lose hope. Uh, another thing I would venture, it might be a little radical or whatever, or controversial is black people need to start unionizing in every workplace. Mm. I'm curious, now you did have some experience with that because I recall you were saying, was it a hotel? Yeah. That you were doing that? I like that idea. I'm mm-hmm. just curious how that would work within like, Fortune 500s in the in the, in the 100s and, and whatnot. Is your legal right? Um, this is the thing. Everybody has to be on board. Everybody has to put skin in the game for it to work. That's the only thing. If you're able to do that, you got to do it small too. You got to do it like, for example, we just focused on the engineering department we didn't do the whole property just as small if you do it small you got more of an effect Hmm. um it's incremental change but that change was spread it's kind of like hearts and minds like damn hold up they're like hold on like these guys did it successfully okay Mm -hmm. i like that approach yes so i say i don't know i'll just give an example you have fortune 100 company it's a bunch of black people saying HR or something, or like a, a no, nah, I need a little bit bigger department, at least six people. Yeah, IT. So say it's like 20 of them. If all of them unionize, that's a very powerful thing. Now they are protected. Now, you. granted, you do have to worry about reprisal. Of course, that company is going to try to adjust and get y'all fired, replaced, whatever the case might be. But again, is there, is there, is there not protection against reprisal from yeah yeah i'm just saying like like, union is not illegal no it's not but it's heavily frowned upon because that means the employee has bargaining power just like people don't realize (laughs) oh no they have leverage now yes exactly it's it's now it's a business thing it's not one-sided where i'm handing you coins no it's like i'm demanding the terms of these coins and benefits and again it's like i think um we need an entire episode on these unions and why they're going away and what that means for general employees and how we could bring them back. I do like the concept of and I don't see them, I don't see a lot of them. Nah, and it's a bunch of them in Florida, but it's very low key about it. Like I only really paid attention to it in, in uh, when I was working with Disney. I, that's when I really noticed it because they have uh, electricians and stuff like that and they were unionized. So I was like, oh, they do have unions. Okay. So, 
yeah, that's sorry. I went on a tangent on that one, but no, no, it's all good. Yo, we, we coming close to the time, but I did want to address this uh cyber worm thing. Okay. So yeah, says, okay. U.S. indicts Sandworm, Russia's most destructive cyber war unit. So the Department of Justice has named and charged six men for allegedly carrying out many of the most costly cyber attacks in history. So um, nearly half a decade ago, the Russian hackers known as Sandworm hit the western Ukraine with the first ever cyber attack to cause a blackout. Wow, an unprecedented act of cyber war that turned off lights for a quarter million Ukrainians. They were just getting started. From there, Sandworm embarked on a year-long spree of wantonly destructive attacks. Another blackout in Ukraine, the release of the Notpetya worm in 2017 that spread globally from the UK, Ukraine, and caused $10 billion of damage. I mean, the list goes on and on. Again, great book, Upgrade America, Policy for the Future. While we have an outstanding cyber command, it's a glorified unit. Like, while we have a space force, we need a cyber force. And I'm talking about an army of coders and people on keyboards who can wield that technological knowledge against adversaries like this. Like, you hear the target was the Ukraine. Yo, what's up, Priscilla? Appreciate you watching. Well, yo, you hear the target was Ukraine, and they managed to knock out power for over what? For millions of people. Mm-hmm. You caused $10 billion of damage, you know, in the Ukraine. If that were in America and a city went out with without power, forget it. That is like you're talking about damage uh, akin to, to 9-11, particularly when you're talking about healthcare and life support, things of that nature. Like, we need to have a, an entire force in place to deal with cyber attacks. And, I don't know, upgrade America. Um, while you mention that, great point of reference and movie to see these examples, what he just described is Die Hard, Live Free or Die Hard. Was that the fourth one? Yes. Is that the fourth one with the F-35 Raptor? Yes. Yeah, I remember that one. That's the best one. Yeah, because what the the antagonist, let me see if I got that right, the enemy had was Mm -hmm. a mobile hacking uh, tractor trailer where they were doing all their operations. So he had a lot of computational power, computational power to like, okay, yeah, that's wild. And so I look at that, what you're just describing, say Mm -hmm. if something happened, they can be mobile and do that, move around and go wherever they need to go, whatever the case might be. I think that'd be very um, optimal. I like that approach, but at the same time having, when we're talking about cybersecurity and Mm -hmm. things of that nature, it's remote jobs. So these are, you could have people all across the globe on working 24 by seven on different time zones, securing these and and managing these cyber attacks. But that whole mobile aspect, yeah, I think that's that's a, a plus too. But our nation, as you mentioned, the census and other facets of government are moving online. And while I totally want to see online voting for 2024, yeah, <laughs> we need a cyber unit, not just a command, in place to ensure secure voting. And because 
having a lot of meddling and a lot of interference from foreign adversaries over over the networks. We need a uh, need more uh, cyber warriors, so to speak. Okay, real quick facts from the Department of Labor. Some good news for okay. a change. 661,000 jobs created in the September report. Uh, payroll employment increased by 600,061 jobs in September, and the unemployment rate is dropped to 7.9%. And we are now, let's see, 11.4 million jobs have been added since the economy began to reopen. So a bit of good news. That is, uh, that is very uplifting. Yes. Now it's uh, at the same time. I don't want to sprinkle pessimism. <laughs> if a certain candidate wins, like, will they close the economy? Good question. We saw it in the debate, looking kind of shaky. But at the same time, yo, you got the opportunity. The money's out there. Like, get that works. That's that breath for rainy days because it rains yeah. of course. I got um, one more story. I want to. Just glow okay, over. Go so, like, there's cruise ships now that are they're converting into mobile offices for people to work remotely. You know, for YouTube influencers and digital nomads, they're calling them to work remotely, just traveling around on this cruise. And that sounds pretty dope, man. Like, I'm curious how long. You get to stay on there. But hold on, it says a company wants to turn a cruise ship into a floating crypto cruise ship. Mm. Office for remote techies, digital nomads, YouTube influencers, startups, and more. So Ocean Builders is in the final stage of obtaining a ship from Carnival Cruises that would eventually house over 2,000 people in its 777 cabins priced between $25,000 and $50,000 per report. Wow. So are you, you got to buy it, I guess? I don't I don't want to buy it. I don't want to buy a room on a, a floating on a boat. Like, Is that for a year? Like, I'm assuming. I, like, peace kind of situation? Oh, let me see if I can get some more influence here. So it says guests want to have access to fitness classes, swimming pool, 500,000 square foot theater. Yeah, yeah. The unconventional office setup represents a industry that is catering to remote work as people are free to live where they wish while offices remain shuttered. And this is really cool how it's an innovative approach. We talked about the, was it Barbados in the Bahamas? That was a... opening their shores up to let remote workers go there? Yeah, I think it's Barbados. Yeah, Barbados. Yeah. Well, so they're offering onboard testing, and as a preventative dose, they're offering hydrochloroquine, the anti-malaria drug. Oh, okay. It's still pretty cool. Would you do it? It depends. I would do it for the experience, maybe not long term. Probably. Like yeah, I'm gonna say I'd do it for like a week. Maybe yeah, a month. I guess maybe a month. Yeah, a month would probably be cool. Um, but this does highlight. Remember our visit to the Venus Project? Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of ties into their theories, like a lot of the stuff they were talking about, like living out at sea, like 
Skyward. Like all that shit is pretty related. And that's something I would really like to see in the future too, is like oceanic cities. But again, there has to be a lot of consideration into not messing with the ecosystem and how to do it clean and, you know, let nature thrive. Like now I've heard that they are 3D printing coral reefs mm. in certain, I forget where they're doing that at. But even though they're 3D printed, like the, the nature can still use those reefs and, and still thrive. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, yeah, anything all- else we got pressing on, on, on the agenda? Uh, fraud, waste, and abuse. Well, we already kind of discussed that, but basically, um, well, I'll do these real quick. Um, LinkedIn, interestingly enough, has some interesting news. Purdue Pharma reached a 8.34 billion dollar settlement with the Justice Department over its aggressive marketing of oxycodone, paving the way for the drug maker to steer the future profits to cities and states accusing it of stoking an opioid addiction crisis in America. Because Purdue is bankrupt from settling prior claims related to drugs, it will have paid $225 million now. It also agreed to plead guilty in making payments to healthcare providers and other actions in marketing the drug. Its owners, the members of the Sackler family, will pay $225 million to settle related civil claims. Big farm. It's a start. Yeah, they're on my uh, they're on my hit list. Big tobacco, big farmer. I want to dismantle them all. Use all my political power. That's why this is ties back to what we talked about earlier. Legalizing drugs would eliminate this crap too. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, these are legal drugs. Let's throw that out there. (laughs) On top of that, see how they're helping opioid. Uh, addiction versus crack and cocaine, which the black community went through in heroin. I find it very ironic that they get justice for opioid stuff, but not for that stuff. So I I find it very ironic that it's like (laughs) right now the government's whole thing is like, health and safety, health and safety. We care about your health and safety. But they, uh, they permit companies to sell cigarettes. You know, that kill like let's just call it three times as much as well, no i want to say cigarette deaths are like half a million a year so covid deaths were like what two hundred thousand? it's like at 220 something thousand More at this point. Than double is but they care about your health and safety and then you they're they're permitting all these pharmaceutical companies to distribute drugs that are like killing people and having them addicted, but they care about your, your your health and safety. So I find that ironic. Now as far as like who would you seek restitution from for the crack epidemic? That's why reparations is important. That co- reparations is a one all one shot one kill solution. Okay. Because you got to think about it. When you talk about reparations, you're talking about restitution for slavery, which is government sanctioned. People keep forgetting this. The government was on board with slavery. Like they had a pass. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. 
and that, but that's what you need to emphasize is that we are not seeking reparations from white ancestors no we're seeking reparations from the same government that was in power during times of slavery it's not like you know for instance like let's look at the soviet union and then you know russia it's not like there was a regime change and one government changed the name and you know no no no. this is the same government that was in power that that sanctioned and legalized slavery and that turned it uh, turned a blind eye to jim crow and, and and took their their sweet time in the civil rights movement so yeah. like yeah some reparations are, are, are definitely where needed and you know the irony of this people are so constitutionally bound and by the declaration of independence and all this mm-hmm. shit but that's the same shit that enslaved us so when it comes down to <laughs> our issues oh they got a they, i don't know where are we gonna get the money from this and that like it's all this bullshit but yo when it comes down to low like 2a for example just throwing mm-hmm. this out there y'all hardcore the Second Amendment, da 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 da. Like we shouldn't change nothing. Well, Same thing. Again, that Second Amendment secures all other amendments. I, so, I get like, it. I am very, I av- I'm really big advocate for that. But I understand. On, on the notion of the reparations, still, what was that big? Uh, was it J.P. Morgan? I saw about thirty billion for like oh, black injustices or some bullshit like that. Yeah, it, it's probably. I'm being real because it's just. Uh, about what six dollars to swear job jar now but like that money would be better spent towards why not have these corporate industries bankroll reparations or a form of it a lot of them were involved too people don't realize a lot of these universities i think georgetown started a a trust or something for black people um something george it might have been georgetown the university um harvard like even my beloved um college team uh clemson mm-hmm. got issues with slavery and all this stuff like so this is why black people be so mad at people in america because we would say why we're so uh pissed off at white america is like yo when y'all want to do something y'all can do it is there what does it say political will and i say willful ignorance mm-hmm. so the willful ignorance of not rectifying stuff that was instituted by the u.s government and like to keep it real white people don't like government interference either so like it would only make sense for you to fight for what's right for us too you don't like being dominated by the government we don't either but think about what we have to go through on multiple levels like you described no i think the the biggest uh issue uh among white americans is they think that they exclusively have to pay that bill mm-hmm. and it's again the debt is owed from the government like this is a debt that the government has to pay by all means if you know if america wants to go rob whoever and pay black community that's cool but if she wants to get that money from taxation everyone has to pay even me like i would be paying for partially for reparations yeah uh they need to get away from that that notion that like it's a burden or a cost or a bill that that white america will pay exclusively 
and that yeah. it's owed because of their ancestors. That's a misconception. And not all white people are bad. You have freedom fighters. You have oh, great. Over, um, I believe they're making a movie on what is it, John Brown? Yeah. So I'm very, uh, I'm very excited to see that. Yeah. You know? Like you have great white allies and freedom fighters who fought for equality and justice for us. So I'm gonna say that because I don't want people to be like, oh, he's saying all white. No. Like I've I've had generosity, I've had help from white people in my life that has been oh, very no strategic. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't paint all of you in the bread, but y'all are the majority in America. <laughs> so that is true. Let's keep it real on that. Um last story real quick. Okay. Fraud, waste, and abuse. This is straight from my heart. In Afghanistan, which I despise us being there. Um, $19 billion in one decade. Look at all this wasteful money that we've been spending in a continuous conflict, which could be used for solving hunger or homelessness or something like this, or education. And it's mind-blowing because it's like, when you think of the Taliban... You don't think of the most sophisticated military unit in the world. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it took, we spent 19 billion. Mm -hmm. We haven't completely eradicated them. You know, it's just, uh, that's mind blowing. And and you're right. But where do you think this money went? Oh, it it was like, um, Specter, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan said, that the U.S. lost roughly 19 billion to waste, fraud, and abuse in Afghanistan since 2009, and including in counter narcotics programs. The irony of that shit. <laughs> Hold on, what do you mean counter narcotics? Granted, Afghanistan has 90 percent of the world's opium. So oh, it's, a lot of it says failed counter narcotics and stabilization programs. Hmm. that's where most of the money like rebuilding the infrastructure and stuff trust me it's a waste of time like I've been there I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. them people just want us out of their country period like that's what it boils down to this comes from Stars and Stripes by the way and I also was hearing that they're trying to get rid of Stars and Stripes the Why? military either it needs funding or something it's something I actually admired uh, reading those Absolutely. Articles. That's how I stayed abreast of what's going on in the military. I forgot what it was with um, Stars and Stripes. Either they needed fun- something with funding or something. I don't remember. Um, yeah. So it, it's sad. Americans, this is where your taxpaying money is going. And military folks. Let's not forget, military folks pay taxes too. Maybe. Oh yeah, I, they had I had that messed up. I'm like, yeah. okay, I thought I, because I am the government, <laughs> like I'm in the military, I'm the government. Why should I pay tax? No, they tax. My little E3 salary was getting taxed. Yeah, like tax free in the desert. That's always a plus. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, that's all I got. But um, I mean, it's, it's no secret. Again, I told you like the biggest. The biggest thing that that needs to be done is an audit of the government itself, like yes. and identify all the inefficiencies and, and identify the 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 fraud, the areas of fraud, waste, and abuse. And there's we could point out countless in the Air Force, 
let alone the entire federal uh, the entire federal government. And it's like the the real question is who would do the audit? The government or an external agency? And how who gets the bid for that if it is external? And how do you keep it objective and impartial? It's difficult to say, but um there's a, you know, again, having people, ordinary people who represent the people, you know, they can be like, do we really need this? Do we really need that? And, you know, you can eliminate and innovate and make things, oh no, upgrade America. But, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yo, we good with the time. We like two hours, 19 minutes in. We had an awesome program, a lot of great information we, we, we got out there. I like this one because it was mellow. I, I, don't get it wrong. I like getting on my, my angry podcast, <laughs> Rant and Raven. But like, still having mellow conversations is always dope, man. Yeah. But um, final thoughts, again, just like, yo, if you're listening to our lovely show, man, you're blessed. And you got the time and opportunity to really follow your dreams and, and, and do what you want. Like, that's... Me, I feel that's the, that's the only thing you really can do in life. Mm-hmm. Not listen to other people's advice and everything. You you gotta follow your your heart, your dream, and, and do what it is that you want to do. You've been given this time and opportunity. But yeah, be nice to one another, and um, I don't know, man. Upgrade America. What's your closing thoughts, bro? Um, I voted. No doubt, no doubt for the administration. You know, history, bro. absolutely. Um, it felt good because it's something I believe in. Um, and I'm putting my effort and uh, word where I said I was going to do. So I did it. So salute to you, President. Hey, back at you, bro. Vice uh-huh. President. But again, it's like no matter how this turns out, mm-hmm. it is... One, we learned so much about the process. Yeah. And uh, a lot. still learning. At the same time, it's like I know we reach people. This whole thing is is a blueprint on how to run an online low budget campaign. Whether you're running for mayor, Congress, or in my case, the Oval Office. We started this journey prior to COVID. And now it seems like this is like such an ingenious way to run a political campaign in times of social distancing. While our podcast viewings are still low, you know, imagine an established podcaster, as I mentioned, take Joe Rogan, for instance, mm-hmm. he ran for president. He would have a 25, what is it, 30 million listens a month he gets? I think I'm not sure his numbers. I don't really think about his base that people he could reach with his. He'd be like, yo, this is my policy. This is how I would do that. And he would be reaching that base almost on a daily basis. True. Like, granted, we only got two years into the podcast game, but say we stuck at this for 10 years and we grow that base to millions. And every four years we ran for president, you know, like, or and some other offices, it's, it's bound to happen. Or, if not us, another candidate is going to do that. But all I want to say is the only way we're going to upgrade America, truly change this nation for the better, 
is if we put the power back into the hands of the people and it has to be an independent third party candidate it really yeah um always a pleasure doing this man um getting that ballot and looking over that it took me like hours to really because i had to look up all the I want to tell people this, look at what's on the ballot and what you're voting for. It's not just the presidency. Like like mm-hmm. I described, we had amendments that are very important to Florida that I Wow. Voted. Like you had judges that you need to pay attention to. Like, oh, this judge is here, da, 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 what happened? Now judges, I will say this, something I also noticed, they we need some kind of website or something that shows the candidates like either positions or issues, something just facts only, not uh, partisan bullshit, just facts. What they want to do with the issues, a little bit about who they are and that's it, just So facts. high level like for, in lines with the ballot, like everyone who's on the ballot, this would be lining up with that type of information. I could see that being useful. Yeah, just something like that. Because one thing, this, yeah, this is what I wanted to say real quick. Something I observed with, I would say more so the Democrats than the Republicans when I was looking up all the candidates. The Democrats either didn't have a website mm. or they weren't, uh, they didn't, it, it was just more like appearance and it wasn't substance. It's a notion of politics. Man. And I would say the Republicans were on their shit. Like they had, this is what I believe in, proud American, proud Republican. These are the issues. This is what I've done. Uh, I've improved this process, done this, done. Like the Democrats, it was hit or miss, bro. It's like, I'm like, that's why y'all be losing right there. I, I saw it when I was voting. I talked to my homeboy about this. I was like, they're not consistent. And it's like, so I'm going off of pretty much information I see. We go off of policy issues. How do you feel? Do you have a proven track record, at least doing something? And I'm not taking away from income, like people coming in, new kids, something, but at least have your issues. Hey, this is what I want to do. You didn't, you had people didn't have a basic website, bro. I'm like, <laughs> what? And I was, I was very yeah, and I was very inspired because I saw writing candidates. I saw non-party affiliated candidates. So that was very inspiring to see. So I'm like, okay, it exists. It's kind of one of the things like it does exist. And even on a ballot, real quick, I got my sample ballot still. Um, you have Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians. Uh, I don't know what this other party is. Green Party. And then you had like PSL. Um, R-E-F and C-P-F so you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven parties on the ballot for president there's there's way more parties than that it's just there's a lot of red tape to get your name on the ballot yeah so yeah man that's all I got epic episode Again, always a pleasure. Be nice to one another. Never know who's like a millimeter away from the edge and about to snap and murder everyone. So be nice to one another. But yeah, that's all I got. We'll catch y'all in the next episode. Peace. Later, Facebook. Peace.
Yeah, bro, that was Noah. Yeah, that was yeah. that was a dope ass episode.